Okay, let's kick off the second round of our The Assistant Situation Roundtable Conversation. With me today is, or with us, is Ryan Seagrew, who is golf course superintendent at Shorehaven Golf Club in Norwalk, Connecticut. Tony Nice, who is director of golf and grounds at Mountain Lake Golf Club in Lake Wales, Florida. Uh, Richard Brown is Senior Assistant Superintendent at Orangeburg Country Club in South Carolina. And John Emerson is an extension agent, uh, former golf course superintendent, uh, current graduate student, and working under Dr. Urban at University of Delaware. Ryan, let's start with you. What, give us the short story on your career and what, what about this uh, topic really kind of uh lit you up the other day All right well uh so i started as an assistant um in new haven connecticut at new haven country club and that had to be 06 a long time ago and you know back then i new haven connecticut was expensive to live and i was making thirty four thousand dollars a year no housing only lunch for a meal working 60, 65 hours a week. And that's just the way I thought the business was, you know, back, back in those days. And I was at New Haven for a year. And then I took a job as the assistant superintendent at the Sandwich Club in Greenwich, which is the number one course in the state. I got a significant raise. I got housing. I got every other weekend off. I was allowed to take four day weekends, you know, but it was still a lot of work and the money still wasn't great. I mean, having the housing made it, made it a lot easier. And I got married and I moved off property. And that's kind of where I started to think, okay, like when I become a superintendent, I don't want this for assistance. I, I think assistants should be able to get married and start families and, you know, do everything that everybody wants to do. I've made it a point in my career. I've been a superintendent at three different properties now. And I'm always an advocate for the assistant superintendents because they're just as important as we are, if not more important, honestly, because they see the course more than we do. Um, we get sucked into meetings. We get sucked into the office for a little while. And those are the guys and gals that are out on the course all day, grinding away, working with the crew. So it just really, really bothers me even to this day that, you know, jobs are still posting for way under market in it or commensurate with experience, which who knows what that means. And you know, that just kind of drives me crazy because as an industry, I believe we need to advocate for everybody, not just, not just superintendents. And we need to find a way, find a path, make this industry available for more people and let, allow them to have a livelihood like we do as superintendents. I mean, there's no reason, no reason a super should make four to five times what they're paying their assistant. Let's shift down to um, Richard. Well, I'm uh, originally from... Columbia area and uh, about 20 years old, I moved to Myrtle Beach to start my career. Uh, went to school to Georgetown, got my degree there. Uh, worked in Myrtle Beach for about, stayed there for about five years. Um, worked at a club for three of those years uh, as an assistant before moving the back home uh, and starting my career, or continuing my career at Orangeburg. And I've been there for a little over five years now. I also serve as the assistant committee chairman for the Carolinas GCSA. Yeah, that's one thing I wanted to talk to you about was I saw on your Twitter profile that you were involved with the assistance uh, committee. 
of the Carolinas group. So uh, let's remember to get back to that. Tony, did you figure that out? You were starting. Um, you were starting about son of a golf course superintendent. I, I am. Said? I'm a son of a golf course superintendent, and I, I remember the um, the lengths my dad went to to have a balance with us as as kids. Um, you know, my mom brought us to the golf course a lot. Dad would go in on Saturday nights and cut cups, or Friday nights if we had a baseball game in the morning, those sorts of things. So, um, you know, and that that'll tie into something here uh, as as we continue. But I remember I, I got a job locally right out of school after I graduated Michigan state and, uh, I was making $32,000 and, um, which, which at the time in 03, I thought it was a lot of money. And, uh, in 2004, I left that position and I actually took a pay cut and I went down to South Carolina, uh, to work at, at Long Cove club, um, which had, had more mystique and, and a name to it. And I want to learn Bermuda grass. And I got my first superintendent's job right as the, um, economy kind of crashed in 09. But everywhere I've been, I feel like I've had to go and justify, you know, significant raises for the staff. And, and I always I always tell my, my assistants, you know, if I get in a car accident on the way home or on the way to work in the morning, the golf course is still going to open. And these individuals have to know these things. They have to know, you know, uh, the working, the inner workings of a club. And, and as they gain more knowledge, they're more valuable. The thing that frustrates me is there's still jobs assistant jobs out there offering what I was making in 2007. That's embarrassing. It's a slap in the face for an educated individual that's done the time. You know, superintendent positions at, in some cases are so lucrative now that they weren't 20 years ago that we're finding superintendents are staying in the business longer and longer because of the money being thrown at them. Uh, so there's not that attrition of superintendents moving on and moving out or retiring or or going other places. And so assistants don't have that ability to move up like they may have had. And, and therefore we have to, we have to do everything we can to make it a better lifestyle for them. Eventually they want families. Eventually they want to, you know, buy a house. Eventually they got to put kids in school and diapers and all that stuff comes along and life gets real expensive very fast. We go back and forth about this work-life balance. And if, if you're trying to have a family, if you're having a family, having struggles with family, that's going to be where the, the, these assistants brains are going to be. That's where their priorities are going to be. You know, if they're worrying about money, if they're worrying about, you know, um, spending time with their family, uh, getting home at an appropriate time, you know, we as supervisors are the only one that can change that. And it's, it's our duty. You know, when someone comes and works for, for Ryan or myself, you know, they're, they're putting their career in our hands. They're, they're trusting us to take care of them, fight for their benefits, fight for, a, a fair wage, uh, fight for the next step in their career. It's a big deal. And, and we're the only ones that can make it better for them. And, and we have to, because otherwise we're not going to have any assistance or second assistance. I mean, when you see some of these clubs, some of the upper echelon clubs posting for positions, um, it should be very eye-opening um, because if the Augusta Nationals of the world and the Marians and the Oakmonts are having a post, that was one of the big red flags to me was seeing those, you know, top 10, top 20. Absolutely. That you never, ever saw them advertising. When you start seeing those kind of clubs um, work or post for those positions, um, it's, it's pretty eye-opening. I think, I think a lot of the, um, the, the assistants today don't necessarily care as much of having a name on their resume as they do having a fair paycheck, having a work-life balance, uh, feeling valued at work, 
um, you know, having a say in the day-to-day stuff, being able to plan and, and help help implement the plans of a superintendent and feeling that self-worth uh, each day they come. A lot of them feel uh, gain more value out of that than um, maybe a maybe a name on a resume. I can agree with that with Tony's sentiment. One issue that maybe we're incurring is if my alma mater, University of Kentucky, is any uh, indication of of the state of the union, if you will. Um, you know, when I graduated from University of Kentucky, we had upper teens to low twenty graduates, and now it's a defunct program. If the universities are not investing in the turf management programs at the rate that they need to be to keep up with market demand, then there's going to be a shortage of, of uh, assistance being cranked out by the universities. And I think that that trend is going to continue. So Tony and Ryan have really taken on the, the role of advocate for your assistance. One thing that came up yesterday this whole work-life balance thing is not just an assistant issue. I mean, it affects an awful lot of superintendents. And if you look at the superintendent attrition rate of, or even going into sales, I mean, I wonder sometimes at what point is, uh, is the sales uh, side of things going to not be able to absorb any more guys? Are there going to be more guys on the sales side than there are on the, the practitioner practic- side? What sort of schedules do you guys work? Well, some of the best advice I ever got from Scott and I, who I worked for, was if you can't get it done in 40 hours, you're doing something wrong. If I have to have my guys at work 60 hours a week just to finish the basics, then maybe I need to hire some more people. Maybe I need to take the load off some of the guys that are there helping me out. In the winter, we just work straight eight. You know, we work 6.30 to 2.30. And then when we get in the summertime, obviously, in the, in the summertime, there's going to be days where you're working 12 hours. You know, there's, there's going to be weekends. You can't, you can't remove those days. And that's part of this business. And we all know it and we all love it. And the assistants do too, but I really try my best to keep my assistants under 55, 60 hours. And then I'll make up for it. If it rains and it's nine o'clock in the morning and nothing's getting done all day, get out of here, go home. You know, I'm not going to make them go shine ball washers and garbage cans just to get there eight hours in for the day. You know, I, I try to make up for the hard days with some easy days with moisture meters. I mean, we, I didn't have those. When I was in it was, we had to stick around all day to see if we saw footprints on a green at six o'clock at night. You know, now we're pretty dialed in with moisture meters. So we rarely stay after four o'clock. Rarely. I mean, even on a 90 degree day with high winds, we can get the greens dialed in where we want them and be out of there by four. We all know everybody on this call knows that there's certain sacrifices and certain hours that need to be worked. But I try to do my best to balance those with the days that can be easy. Let's make them easy. If my guys have to come in and plow on a Saturday and they're not working Monday, try to keep everybody happy. And it's not just my assistants, it's the entire crew. It's trying to create a culture where everybody wants to be at work and everybody, because you spend a lot of time together. I mean, I have three kids. I spend more time with my crew than I do my family. Creating a culture is an important part of my job. And that's, you know, and I think the balance is, is a huge part of it. And it's on us superintendents to create that balance and try to pass it on to our crew and our assistants. How about in-season weekends? How do you handle them? So in-season weekends, uh, my guys, I was going to give them every other weekend, but I have two assistants and they each wanted a day off a week. So one works Saturday and one works Sunday. Um, the regular crew, we just come in, mow and go. So we're, you know, 5.30 and 9.30 and we're out the door. And then my assistants can go home at 9.30, take a nap, go grocery shopping, do what they have to do, back at one o'clock, you know, check greens, 
and then uh, I'll be there usually around, you know, some point during the day, we'll talk over the conditions and the irrigation, and I try to get out there by 4 o'clock, even on the weekends. Tony? I have two assistants. If it's their weekend off, you know, they'll they'll leave midday Friday, and they'll be back on Monday. Um, occasionally, you know, we'll all have to work a Saturday because of an event. But what I typically do is is I'll, I'll just kind of throw it out there. I have an assistant with a uh, almost one-year-old. And if he happened to stay late one day, meaning, you know, 4 or 4.30, finishing up some paperwork or fuel logs or something like that, I'll just tell him, hey, we'll see you at 8 o'clock tomorrow. And he'll look at me. and Or if I know he's been putting in the hours over the last 10 days because of, he had a tie-in a weekend, I'll just tell him, you know, you're, you're working till lunch today. You know, we'll see you tomorrow. Give him the afternoon off. But I would say in our season, which is wintertime, um, you know, we're 45, 50 hours a week. Um, but I'm pretty, you know, I'm, I always kind of make sure to walk in the office and kick them out of there sometimes. But one thing we're going to do this year, and we're an anomaly, and I, I understand that we're very quiet in the summer. So what we're actually going to do this year is everyone has Sunday off, everybody. Uh, except the assistant that's on call that weekend, I, they're going to come in at seven thirty, eight o'clock, just make sure there's nothing funny, uh, irrigation stuck on anything from the night before and then go home. Um, but kind of a day for everyone to charge their batteries and then we'll get back into our normal, uh, winter schedule, uh, mid September and end of September, somewhere in there, but just trying to give everyone a chance to recover, you know, through the summertime and not be there when we don't need to be there. I think that's a, that's a stigma that has been built over the last 20 years of you got to be there. Something could go wrong. Got it. Someone's got to be there. I'm on the golf course. Half of the time I'm, I'm actually on the property and they're the ones running the crew. And if they tell me things are good, go home. I trust you. You know, they take pride in that of making those decisions and whatnot. But um, if they don't need to be there, I don't want them there. Go home, go be with your family. There'll be times where we, we got to pull it, reel that back in and, and maybe I need you to stay a little bit longer or come in on a day off. And same as on, on rain delays, when we get rain in the summertime, go home, we'll, we'll make up for it tomorrow. Go relax, go, go rest, um, charge the batteries. Yeah. One of the points again made yesterday was that the, the guys who were superintendents felt that it was critical you know, to get to rest the crew, just like a pro athlete, you know, they, they've got to have some downtime, got to, uh, and they're sharper when they are on property, if they have that. I think what kind of broke me to get out of the business, well, I'm, I'm still in the industry, but in, on the uh, educational side, but what kind of broke me was my inability to find a quality assistant and coupled with the ability to pay uh, a quality assistant. I think those two go kind of go hand in hand. You know, my background is a kind of a, a beat your chest point of pride of who worked the most hours that week. I think that wore down on me personally. I missed a lot of life things and I, I regret that part of it. But, you know, the, the, this growing grass requires a certain amount of time on course to make sure you're not losing grass. Everybody understands that, uh, but minimizing um, time on course and having the right assistance in there um, will, will make it better for all. But um, the assistants nowadays, they are, that is their biggest turnoff is having to work so many hours um, coupled with the pay. I don't have the answer for that. The, the, the Marions and the, the Augustas and the Oakmonts and the, these high and private clubs, they can afford to, to pay 
uh, quality assistance and kind of mask or at least make that those those hours on course hurt less, right? Though that's a such a small percentage of the golf courses throughout our nation. How do we address that for the other folks, the folks with the the 400, 300, 400, 500,000 dollar budgets? If if I may jump in here, you know, I going back to some of the salaries and what I've seen, some of my colleagues that I've had this discussion with and if you're if you're going to pay to a scale that I made 15 years ago, you're probably better off paying your spray tech or irrigation tech a few more bucks an hour because they're the ones you're going to lean on the most anyways, because you're probably not going to get other by other than by chance, get some money to work for that um, because you're probably going to, you're probably going to lean on them more to fill, fill gaps and, and, and work the hours. But I, and I, I think some assistants in that are coming in or that are working to also have to understand all of us got in the business knowing golf courses are open seven days a week. So while we as superintendents are trying to do everything we can to make the work life better, you also have to understand you got in a business that's open. We don't close at five o'clock on Friday and, and open back up on Monday. So there has to be a little bit while we make strides and make efforts to make the work life balance and the financial piece better. There has to be a little bit of understanding that, you did get in an industry that is seven days a week, you know, um, a little give on things sometimes is, is okay. As long as we as superintendents continue to, to fight the fight for them. Ted Horton once told me the grass doesn't know what day it is. Okay. Nope. It doesn't know it's Sunday down in Florida. It doesn't know it's Christmas. Right. But if we can continue to make strides to pay assistance enough money to make it worthwhile, like what other profession do you know that it's, you go to college, you get educated and it's, it's, superintendent or bust in our industry and it mm -hmm. it it's that that's not right you can go to college you can be well educated maybe you don't want to be a superintendent but you shouldn't have to leave the industry you love because you can't afford to live and have a family and i think that's what our generation needs to work on is making it an industry that is open to a broader spectrum of people because they know they can make a living doing it you know mm -hmm. it, it can't be superintendent or bust because it's not sustainable it's just it it won't work well, and it's okay. You know, I, I've, I've had conversations with colleagues about, well, you know, I don't want my assistant there for three or four years. That means they're not, they're not striving to be better. Uh, there's a lot of pros to having somebody there. And if you pay them enough and they have a, a good work-life balance and quite honestly, some, some people want the stress and want the, you know, want everything that comes with being a superintendent. Some people, some people don't, and that's okay. And if you can find an assistant that wants to do 10, 10 years, 12 years, or maybe they end up being a lifetime, what's wrong with that? As long as they're filling the, yeah. filling the role and they're doing good and they have a good bet, there's nothing wrong with that. And we should, we should be more open to, to those sorts of things in our industry. I think the, like, uh, like Ryan said, it's superintendent or bus, but why can't, why can't an assistant superintendent be a, the end goal? What, what, why is that not possible? And I think we all know the reason why it's, it's typically because of money. Typically that's something that I would like to, to, to change or see change, or at least work towards changing that. Because if you look in any, any other industry, there's success as a, I don't know, we'll, we'll just use like a, an assistant manager or a, a, a assistant CFO or, or something other than the head guy. There is still a quality life and well-paid, um, positions in the industry at levels other than the top 
guy. And we need to make that acceptable um, throughout the industry. Richard, hey Richard, I'd be interested to see, to hear, you know, you said you're part of the assistance um, uh, committee down there. Uh, what do you guys talk about? I mean, is there, what's the feeling among assistants these days in, in your area about the pay and the hours and, you know, lifetime assistant versus, you know, getting out of the business type, type thing? Uh, for the most part, uh, everyone that I've spoken to is kind of, you know, I hate to admit it, but it's still superintendent or bust. You know, I mean, I don't know, I don't know that many people who don't have that goal in mind. Um, I can say for myself, um, kind of bouncing off what Tony said, I would like to be a superintendent. That is my end goal. Um, but I've been in Orangeburg for over five years now, and that's for a couple of reasons. It's one because I'm compensated well. I do have work-life balance. Um, we do work a pretty fair schedule um and for me it's mostly because i like me and my wife like the area we live in for me it doesn't make sense to leave to leave my current job and give up the good situation i have waiting for the right job to pop open you know i i'd much rather stay where i'm at and continue to be compensated well continue to have the work-life balance i have and just hope that when uh, the time comes that it it's right. And, you know, I'm not going to put myself or my family in a, in a bad situation. One to where, you know, I've moved to take a job just for a title and it doesn't work out or, you know, it's a, it's a bad, it's a bad job. There's nothing worse than being unhappy hmm. at your job, no matter what, no matter what you do or how much you're getting paid. We as superintendents, Again, not only just have to fight for our own team members, I don't think the, the expectations are going to change. Um, just because you don't have an assistant or, or, or are five staff members short, your expectations aren't going to change on Thursday night men leagues when they're expecting greens to run 12 and a half and, and it's, it's eight, been 85, 90 degrees all, all week long. Their expectations aren't going to change. So the only thing you can do is fight for more staff and fight for your key staff um, to, to help fill those voids. So let me ask you a question regarding expectations since you brought that up. Obviously, everybody wants to be the best at what they do or, or the best they can be. How much do you think superintendents create their own problems to a degree? And the one thing that um, I think of is the Aussie method of raking bunkers. Looks great, but man, that's got to be wicked labor intensive. So you got to wonder who's that coming from? Is that a demand from within the club or in the golfers? Or is that something that the, the superintendent sees his buddy doing somewhere and others say, hey, let's try that? I'm really excited all, to hear Ryan's response. It's all us. It's all <laughs> us. I'll tell you that right now. It is all us. We, we do, we've done it to ourselves for a long time. I don't know what to say about it, coach. It's just, it's just one of those things. Like you said, everybody wants to be the best. It drives you nuts. It drives me nuts. If I go next door to a great course and the greens are six inches faster than mine, I'm like, I got to go back and do something tomorrow. And that's something that I personally have to change. And I think a lot of us have to change, but I would say the expectation level is pretty much hundred percent us. I don't know if Tony feels that way, but that's how I feel. I mean, I think yeah, I mean, you, you have a, you have a group of superintendents out at your golf course, or you have a local chapter event. You might as well have a member guest because that's, that's what you're doing for them because you want to impress them because that's your peers. Richard, what, just following up on the, the question that um, 
Ryan had for you about what the guys are talking about. What's the general consensus among assistants? It, you said they're they're pretty much all on the superintendent path. Are most guys happy? Are they bitching and moaning and stuff all the time or a little bit of both? Uh, a little bit of both. Um, from my talks with uh, friends and colleagues, uh, whether it be guys on the committee with me or just just other friends, um, some guys, you know, are kind of like me where they're happy where they're at and they're, you know, they don't really have – they they don't really have any want or need to move somewhere else, but also know a lot of guys who do a lot of bouncing around, you know, who, whether it be within the Carolinas or, you know, from here to Florida or here, anywhere else, you know, they just bounce around chasing, you know, whether it be 5,000 more or 10,000 more or whatever it is. Um, and a lot of times it's not necessarily for superintendent jobs as much as it is just, trying to move one up, move one step up on the assistant ladder, you know, um, and, but for the most part, it's, um, it's, most guys seem to be for the, pretty happy in the industry. Um, I think some guys um, who are kind of, I guess, in my position have started to express their frustration um, with, Jobs not opening up, you know, because um, I think for somebody in, you know, at my level, for example, it's it's probably the most frustrating part is that those uh, superintendent jobs just there aren't opening up enough. I mean, the only way you can really advance is to try to get on a bigger name club or or um, get a move up that assistant ladder at a different club. Hey, Richard. When, so we have an assistant that's on the Florida um, Golf Course Superintendents uh, Association uh, assistance chapter as well. So when you have your meetings, how do you convey what you talk about to the superintendents in general? I mean, that, that make them aware of, of maybe things that assistants deal with, because, you know, obviously things are, are different than maybe when some of us were assistants or in some cases, a long time ago, since some superintendents were assistants. So how how do you convey that need, that want, that desire, that frustration to them? Um, is it through a poll or is it is it left to each assistant to go talk to their superintendent about it? Because I think that piece of delivery could be very important to, to some to really understand some of the struggles um, or, or challenges you guys face. Right. Um, well, the way we do it, and I, I guess I'm kind of fortunate because uh, my superintendent is actually the uh, serves on the board of directors for the Carolinas, and so he's kind of a liaison between between us and them. Oh, so anything. you can't talk very freely then, <laughs> or he doesn't have to talk. <laughs> no, but we, um, you know, I've got and truthfully, not just saying that I've got a great working relationship with my superintendent, and I can. I can freely tell him, you know, hey, this is what this is what the guys are saying. This is what this guy's going through. Or, you know, hey, I just had a talk with this guy yesterday and he's, you know, expressed his displeasure or pleasure or whatever it may be um, with certain situations. So, um, like I said, fortunate in that end that um, all I have to do is walk to the office next door and, and talk to him about it. Um, but I've also got, um, you know, other superintendents on the line. You know, I've I'm. Friends, I'm fortunate to be friends with uh, superintendents in the Carolinas who, 
even if it's not just my superintendent, I can, I can call them up and tell them like, Hey, you know, this, this guy brought up this problem to me. Like, what do you think? Or, you know, how, what are your thoughts on it? The one thing we really haven't talked about is availability of labor specifically. Um, you know, we've talked about sort of the pitfalls of, of the careers, but what are you guys seeing or in your various areas in terms of um, guys, you know, screaming for assistance or um, I just looked online and there were, well, on our board anyway, heck is it, 61 superintendent positions open, uh, 217 assistants, 61 second assistants and 54 AITs. So that's well over 300 assistants. Um, I've seen more superintendent positions open. Some of them, uh, or a lot of them, are, are sort of lower echelon. I'm wondering, well, I guess my question is twofold. What, what's the specific availability of, of um, qualified help in, in your areas? And do you think the superintendent openings as they are, is that due to churn? You know, one guy taking a job somewhere, his position comes open, you know, that kind of thing. Or is it guys getting fed up and let, leaving the industry? Any thoughts on that at all? Well, in the Met, there's no shortage of good talent, you know, to get assistance. I mean, it, it's one of the, one of the areas um, kids just want to come because these days, it's, if you don't go, it seems to be, if you don't go to a top, top level club, it's hard to get interviews for superintendent jobs. It just is. So um, I think most guys around here at the higher end clubs don't have too much trouble finding assistance. Um, I know I, I haven't needed an assistant in quite a few years, but I posted for an intern this year. And I, I mean, we have UConn, URI, everything right around the corner, uh, crickets. I didn't get one, not one application. Nobody even, and then we pay well, we give housing. Um, I put right in the posting work-life balance, you know, we'll take care of you and nobody, nothing. But I know of other clubs around here that they pull in seven, eight in terms of, so I guess, I guess it just depends on where you are. It really, it depends on the type of club you, you're at and the reputation, because a lot of the interns and assistants know that they need that prestigious club on their resume to get the interview for the next job, which I don't necessarily agree with, but that's the way that clubs want it. And they're the ones who drive the workforce. I mean, my assistant is totally capable, totally capable of being a superintendent somewhere. So if you guys could, let me just go give you each the magic wand that if you could wave a magic wand, what's one thing that you would change about the way the business is today? Ryan? Uh, I, I guess kind of just circle back to what I said before, just, make it so it's not a one goal business. You know, it, it, I don't like the way that it's superintendent or bus. And I know a lot of assistants have that goal to be a superintendent, but at the same time, as Tony said before, there's plenty of guys who are talented, who love being outside, who love doing what we do that just want to be assistant to open up avenues for people who want to be an assistant and who, who want to be in the business we just need to, we need to make it available. We need to pay them enough money to have children, have families, have a house, have a car and be able to do all that stuff 
because if we don't, then the problem is only going to get worse because nobody's going to come to the business if, if they don't see an end road. And the people that do come in, they're going to leave. There's nothing worse than being unhappy. And I think a lot of the assistants these days are unhappy because they don't make enough money. And, you know, if we can get to a point where they make enough money to be happy, then I think it changes a lot of the dynamics of the industry. And I think it makes it a better industry to work. In. I think it's important to try to get our assistants to a pay scale where they're not leaving for a superintendent's job that pays them 10,000 more than they're making, because that's going to be the job where they're the spray tech, the irrigation tech, the assistant, the superintendent, the director of agronomy, they're, they're going to do it all. And they're, they're going to realize quickly um, that it was not a, a good move. There should be people at a club, a general manager that you can go to and say, hey, I, this is what's going on. I'd like to do this for the assistant now. And with another X in four to six months, and they need to be at this number by this time. And again, just fighting for it. The, you know, the, the thing that really irritates me, and, and I've said it before, but I realized here in the last five years or so, I can't do it. You can't use the excuse I had to do it. So, or that's when when I was an assistant. That's it's there's our world has changed so much that that should not even be a sentence coming out of any any knowledgeable superintendent's mouth. It just shouldn't be. I like to tell people whenever you know, especially recently, I've gotten the question like, you know, a salesman comes by or talking to a buddy, you know, like, hey, how are you doing? What what's going on with you? You you looking? You flying? Are you? And I tell them, you know, it's, I'm, I'm in the perfect place to wait. You know, I'm in, I'm in the perfect position to continue to advance my career. You know, like I said earlier, paid in, feel like I'm paid enough. I've got excellent benefits. I'm able to spend time with my 14 month old as much as I need to, uh, you know, a, a phrase the assistants get told a lot is be patient. And I try to do my best to, to keep that in mind and um, take that advice that I'm given as long as, uh, or as far as a magic wand, you know, one of the things I think that I kind of worry about and it's what we're trying to do here is, you know, I worry that there won't be assistance when I get a superintendent job, you know, so I'm worried five years, 10 years down the road when that we had, that I have somebody to hire. But one thing I think that we could do kind of a better job at or try to do is just get the industry more into high schools, into that level. Um, you know, I didn't get into the industry till I was 20. And that's mostly because I didn't know it was, I didn't know it existed. And so, you know, getting into high school guidance programs, you know, going to talk to FFA programs. And, um, and I feel like if we take that initiative to really get in and let these students who are coming up learn that, Hey, this is something you can do. This is an option. Then we'll we'll be all right in the future. One of the things one of the guys said yesterday that I had not thought about, but um, he said that when an assistant is in such a hurry to take or to get to the superintendent level and takes a job, you know, at a sixty or seventy thousand dollar range for a club, which would be a you know mid level club. A lot of times they get stuck there and can't get the next job because, you know, maybe it's the assistant who's working at Wingfoot or wherever that's, that's going to, going to take that. I just thought that was uh, something I hadn't really thought about. 
Go nobody ahead, Tony, nobody cares that he worked at Oakmont in 2006. That's that's how people read the resumes. I mean, it's I, I tell my assistants you you have one chance to use in this case Mountain Lake as your stepping stone. Make sure it's the right. Make sure it's the one you want. John, what's your uh, magic wand going to do? I think there are a ton of quality assistant superintendents um, at not top 100 golf clubs. And I mean, high quality folks, they, they've run the gamut of all the experiences. They've done the grow-ins and the renovations and, uh, you know, all the turf management skills that we acquire over the, over our time. And they just will never get those looks. I wish these guys had the ability to um, get those same looks that the, the Wingfoot and the Marions and the Philly Crickets uh, folks get. Turfgrass programs throughout the nation. I mean, they're they're closing at a breakneck pace, and uh, we have to stop that. I mean, this is a multi-billion-dollar industry that needs qualified people to work. And if we don't have these programs, and we don't have the universities investing in these programs, then we will not have quality assistant superintendents in the future. Yes, we have uh, the 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 Penn State uh, and Michigan State those two-year programs, um, and those might be for someone, but if someone wants a bachelor's degree uh, or even a, a two-year degree at another college halfway across the, uh, the country, we have to make these turf grass management programs available, um, and they have to be a little more prevalent than they are now. We can't, we can't continue this rate. Okay. Any final thoughts of anybody? I appreciate your time today. Um, if you have further, have something you want to bring up now, uh, please. If not, if you think of something while you're rolling around in bed tonight, thinking about this stuff, let me know. Shoot me an email or whatever. Uh, if you want to, we're going to continue with a few more of these. If you want to sit in on another one, let me know. Um, again, this it's tough to spend an hour, an hour and a quarter and, um, you know, think of everything that needs to be uh discussed but i'm uh i'm encouraged certainly by by ryan and tony your your emphasis on um uh, being an advocate for your guys and and making sure that they're taken care of um and then uh richard i'm it sounds like the guys in the carolinas and i have the utmost respect for the carolinas association because those guys have got it they've got it figured out. I like this and it feels like uh, everybody else enjoyed this. Is this uh, something you plan on doing going forward, Peter? If the with other topics? There, if, sure, why not? I mean, the technology's there. It's a matter of finding people who are interested, who have something to say and to make uh, the platform available to them. That's all. Yeah. Definitely. Okay. Very good. Good deal. Okay. Thanks, fellas. All right. Thank you. All right, gentlemen. Thank Take you. Care. Take care.